Hello, and welcome to For the Love of Todd, reviewing the Christy Miller young adult novels for your listening pleasure. Sit back, relax, and journey with us as we talk about Summer Promise, 1988. I promise you won't regret spending time with us. Okay, let's get into it. <laughs> Welcome to our first Patreon episode about the Christy Miller series. Yay. I'm really excited to talk about these with Karis and Mitch and my friend Lindsay. We both Welcome, read guys. these at the same time. We were we went to youth group together and we yes. were obsessed with these books. Obsessed. Todd so, was my future husband. Lindsay, what? <gasps> Me too. <laughs> Not Rick? So no, I retroactively found that my high school not girlfriend because that's what this book teaches you to have is to have a not boyfriend and a not girlfriend so that you're yeah. not dating. Um, uh, I discovered retroactively that um, th- she was definitely reading these. And now I remember some like conversations I'm like about books that she was reading. I'm like, oh, oh, it's very different to read them. Myself. <laughs> Like I think the funniest thing for me reading these now is I don't I don't remember which book it is in, but in one of these first three, she's talking to her friend who's all talking about how she hates drama in relationships. And the model <laughs> that they give you for a relationship only creates drama. Cause it's like, you know what? You don't need to know what you are. You just oh, are a thing, but you're not really allowed to date. You know, <laughs> you're like allowed to be interested in each other. But you're still just friends. But you really like each other a lot. But you're not dating. But you should. You're really dating. <laughs> like so confusing. Oh, and this is. Gosh. I internalize this a lot. Like my relationships were so confusing. Uh, needlessly confusing. Yeah. Mitch. So much extreme confusion and angst uh, for me in high school. I later, you know, once I grew up a bit and learned that relationships could be better than that, I attributed to just like general evangelical culture problems. But now as I'm reading this, I'm like, oh, no, there's like a very specific manual that teaches to do the exact wrong thing in very particular (laughs) ways that I can look back at and be like, oh, yeah, no, she was following the plan. Yeah. If you do it right, it should be horrible and confusing and so <laughs> embarrassing. And amazing uh, that you end up with a partner at all. <laughs> oh yeah. my gosh. But yeah. that's the charm about it, isn't it? That she's like quirky and uncoordinated and like easily embarrassed. Like, isn't that part of the charm of the books? Isn't that what makes her so irresistible to all of these guys? <laughs> Yeah. So yes, Christy, I'm like, I didn't realize until I reread these. I was like, oh, poor Christy has like all these guys pining after her and she's supposedly so awkward and like, oh, her green bean bathing suit. I'm like, please, you've got like three dudes want to jump you all at once. And like, uh, yeah. And just Todd, how he's so casual, like later, see you when I see you. And that was so like, 
charming and cute when I read them as a teen. But when I read it now, I'm like, oh, frick, dude, commit, commit. You're killing me. Like, you are just playing Seriously. games here. Candace. And also, like, me reading it now, I'm like, run away from him. You do not want to be in a relationship with that. If he can't even <laughs> commit to, like, telling you when he's going to see you next or, like, commit to setting a time when he's going to talk with you or send you a letter like no nah <laughs> yeah cares my my question is what was his relationship with tracy it's never clarified obviously nope. they're not dating but they are dating but like they're just friends it's, they're giving it's gifts clarified. together <gasps> oh yeah they, like, give a gift together and then like she says or no she says something to todd about about giving Tracy a ride or whatever. And Todd's like, well, Tracy doesn't care if I'm hanging out with you. Why do you care if I'm hanging out with her? And it's like, what? Like, what? What? If you're, what? Ah! Yeah. Go ahead, Lizzie. I think that because, well, I think what it is is that Tracy led Todd to Jesus. So they have like this tight, tight, tight knit, brotherly, sisterly in Christ bond. So that's why they're so close. But it's they're never like attracted to each other somehow, um, you know. <laughs> so I think that's what that came from. Uh, Candace or Mitch, I don't know. Okay, I want to, um, I want to start summarizing the first book for people who haven't heard it, who haven't read these. Um, I love this conversation, but I feel like it's a little bit inside until we okay. kind of unpack who some of these people are. Um, no, I love right. it. That's yeah. fair. I, this is what I wanted. First first reactions. And I love that there's so many because I also have so many. Um, but let's start going through it and then we can bring up bring up more of these. Um, right. So, by the way, listeners, these are books. Um <laughs> Of course, everyone knows that because everyone read them, Mitch. No, I'm except, learning this. Except yeah. they were reality. I internalize every book that I read. And as a teen, especially, I, I was Christy. And I actually related to even reading it as an adult. I was like, oh, my gosh, I remember as a teen. I just really related to so much. <laughs> Candace. I actually felt so nostalgic reading these. And yeah. I had, but I also had like a very visceral, like embarrassed, like, like you, I feel like I was her because she just mm -hmm. lives like embarrassed all the time. Right. And I felt, yeah. yeah, I, I felt that what it was to be a teenager again and be reading these books, Mitch. Yes. Uh, the, the author writes teenage um, anxiety really well. The, the problem is that if you're writing for teens, you should be writing books that, like will help them get over that. And I don't think the author ever did. She's still in high school. No. That's um, a really good point. I know. I just was like, oh, so, so much just like puberty and anxiety and, uh, you know, like, like she can't get any of her thoughts straight and, and struggling with like when to say no, like, I related to all of that also. I, I mean, I still relate to some of it, mm -hmm. but I just I just felt like this is what it is to be a teenage girl. Mm -hmm. I feel like these were, like when I was um, maybe 10 years 
after I had read these, I was kind of helping with the youth group and they, everyone was really into those vampire ones. Twilight. 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 Yeah. I feel like these were the twilight of our generation. You know? <laughs> yes. The Christian, the Christian, twilight. The Christian version. <laughs> yes. hundred yeah. percent. But they have all the angst without the undead. I mean, there is the undead element because you go, you have eternal right. life, right? Jesus. So right. there you yeah. go. Todd is a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> or some kind of monster. He's definitely a monster. That's why he's so aloof. <laughs> um, so we're going to talk about the first book, which is called Summer Promise. And the book opens with our protagonist, Christy. This is where we meet her. She's staying at her aunt and uncle's in Newport Beach, California. And feel free to jump in here. I'm just going to give what I wrote down. And then I, I will I welcome all <clears throat> other input. We find out that she hates her body. She went to the beach and the kids at the beach laughed at her because her bathing suit was green and they called her Green Bean. And her aunt's like, well, isn't that nice? They're calling you thin. Yes. Oh. Um, so her, we meet her aunt. Her aunt's name is Martha, but everyone calls her Marty. And she has so much internalized misogyny and is constantly pecking at Christy. Mitch. Oh, oh, okay. So, um, Aunt Marty was actually the big focus for me when I was reading these books. Like, she ac- she actually stood out to me the most as a character because, yes, she is like absolutely just weighed down by a lot of internalized misogyny and m- mostly around like body positivity stuff. Um, but. Uh, contrary to what the author wanted from us, I sympathized and empathized with her a lot, and I actually found her to probably be the most positive influence uh, in our protagonist's life. Um, and the author hates her. The author hates her so much, and that comes through so clearly. I like this is a good take. I I look forward to exploring this this idea as we go through the story. Mm-hmm. just like very intense like very intense like and- bubbly and when she she like gives complisalts really well yes exactly 100 <laughs> percent. and she um just the like always always has to be in control and and like yeah i don't know i just the more i read about aunt marty the more i was like oh this is just this other person <laughs> I have a quote written down from Aunt Marty. that So Aunt Marty decides that she's going to take Christy for a makeover and they're going to get her a whole new wardrobe and turn her into a California girl. And she, one of the things she says to Christy is, you won't always have thighs like that if you take after your mother's side of the family. So watch the starches and keep those legs slim as long as you can. so she says stuff like that to christy all the time constantly like talking about her weight and now telling her she needs to watch things trying to get her to eat salads and yeah yeah i found that to be so this is um oh sorry Lindsay. sorry i didn't raise my hand um but yeah so i just found that to be so uh hard to read again i was like oh my gosh she's a teenage girl i remember when i was like 16 17 i would tell people like oh, I, I try to gain weight and I can't even gain weight. And I look back and I want to slap myself for saying that because um, I was, you know, had a 16-year-old metabolism. But um, 
<laughs> like it's just ugh, like let the yeah. girl eat what she wants she's gonna be fine um but just I also really empathized more yeah. with Marty because um I mean I did find her like super frustrating sometimes but I also could tell that there was so much like pain in her life or like just the difference between how Christy's mom is and how she is. It's I, I bet like Marty and Christy's mom grew up together in this very like, you know, <clears throat> modest, strict bubble. And then C Marty was like the rebel when she got older. And so she's just now like bursting out of this and has like a lot of pain from all of that. That was all. Yeah. Karis, did you have something you wanted to? Um, I did. It was a little bit of a different tangent. Oh, Mostly, I just thought it was interesting that, okay, because, like, I have that that quote highlighted as well, Candice, the thighs like that. Um, and then right after that, she says, you know what they say, nobody can ever be too rich or too thin. Oh, yeah. But in the second book, <laughs> we find out <laughs> that that's not true because there's a girl with an eating disorder yes. that Marty is then giving the opposite advice to. That's so true. I just, having just finished the second one, I thought that was interesting. Go ahead, Mitch. That's something that um, really, uh, that's where I started turning around on like how I think Marty is a much more complex character than the author realizes because like she definitely has stuff about like enforcing shitty patriarchal norms uh, uh particularly with a lot of body shaming and the author leans into it the most in this first book um but um the way that she has those um she's also aware of problems like she's the only person who gives good advice um in the second book about the I, I guess we're skipping forward but um sh she's responsible and aware of these problems as well even as she's subject to and replicating them which is like miles beyond anyone else in any of these books that's a good point mm -hmm. um so we also we then we meet Christy's uncle Bob, who is right. Marty's husband, and also a very important character in all of the books. Um, we find out that Marty was his secretary, and she—I don't know—then they met when she was his secretary, and they got married. Um, and we see him kind of—he's written in contrast to Marty. He's like so laid back and so positive. He's her positive male role, mod role model. Even in later books, like she can talk to him where she can't talk to her dad, mm -hmm. Mitch. Okay, so um, Uncle Bob's portrayal is really fraught because they the author does this one thing here right at the beginning with the narrator's voice, which is like Christy the teenager's internal monologue that poisons absolutely everything that he does for me because the author spends a little too much time going into how uh, young and attractive Bob looks, despite being 50, that like he, he seems younger and he acts younger and she can really always trust him. And then goes into like, he makes her feel good about how she looks. 
And uh, throughout all of these books, he's constantly giving her compliments about her appearance um, in ways that, because of how the author sets it up at the beginning here, make, make me extremely uncomfortable. I am glad I'm not the only person that felt super uncomfortable with Uncle Bob. Thank you. <laughs> Curious. I didn't pick that up at all. <laughs> I just some of the thing, some of the times, like in the ways that it describes, even the way he touches her, like when he goes in for like gives her a hug or some of the the compliments he gives her, and the way he really talks a lot about how innocence is so attractive, <laughs> it made me very uncomfortable. Lindsay. Okay, so I totally did not pick up on that either because I always loved Uncle Bob and I was like, oh, it's Uncle Bob. And I don't know if I have like in my head my uncle. And so I'm seeing it more from like an innocent perspective of like, oh, you look cute today. Or, you know, like, so I didn't have that creepy vibe that you guys did. But that's interesting that you bring it up. Mitch. Um, I, I want to say that, like, the the relationship that the author is trying to portray here, um, like, that, that she wants Bob and Christy to have is, like, possible and okay, but it's really telling that, at least w when I read it, and I, I guess I'm not the only one, but it, it comes off as extremely creepy and, like, just going over some boundaries repeatedly um in a in a way that's really skeevy i think my my one of my big takeaways from their relationship was that this is seen as the way for an older man to treat a young woman positive like this is seen as like a positive relationship from an older man to a younger woman and that's kind of this is a template or a model for that, Karis. Um, I think the reason that I didn't realize that it's as creepy as it is is because this has been my relationship with like men in the church, right? And older <laughs> men, older men, or like married men that then are like, "Oh, you're like a little sister," and do this like weird brother thing, but it's like grooming and like kind of creepy, you know? Like being able to look at it now and be like, "Oh." Oh, some of those were not good situations with, but so it's interesting because I didn't pick up on it because I was like, oh, that's so wholesome and sweet, whatever. Mm -hmm. But it's like every other Christian relationship or friendship or whatever. I think ahead, the Jenna. way like you, the way you and Lindsay understood it is the way that she wanted it to be read, right? Like totally. very innocent yeah. and very positive. Mm -hmm. But I think... Now, having some baggage, I have trouble seeing it that way. <laughs> yeah. No, I totally get it. Yeah. I did highlight a section, since we're talking about Uncle Bob. Um, Uncle Bob was so easy to talk to. It's, it's interesting, because this is a contrast between Bob and her dad. <clears throat> Christy wished it could be the same way with her own dad, but he was a serious, hardworking farmer. Conversations with him consisted of him pondering a subject for hours, and then he'd tell Christy, this is the way it is. Not much room for free thought or discussion. He was the dad, she was the daughter. He said she did. That was that. She liked this feeling of being able to give her opinions, to talk things through, to feel capable of making wise decisions. Which I think that whole paragraph is just loaded with things. Oh. <laughs> Mitch? I love so, that. Um... 
so between these two uh, influential men in her life, uh, her her dad that she complains about not being able to talk to, who just states things are the way they are, and um, the positive role model who actually listens to her uh, and it nurtures her. Uh, which one does her boyfriend end up being? Right? He That's like a big descriptor of him. He just states things the way they are. And also one of my main like pet peeves with him. Oh, man. Yeah, that's so accurate. Interesting. Lindsay? Um, so I actually, this book is like scarily relatable. I'm just like, it's crazy because my dad is <laughs> very much like her dad. And it's funny because he did, he was raised on a dairy farm. So I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I was like, and he's, you know, and when he says stuff, he says it like, as if it's fact, you know, especially our theological discussions or which, you know, are very hard for me not to turn into fights at this point um, because he is so certain just the way I was so certain that this is the way it is. And so to argue and combat that and, you know, have conflict, it's like, I have to be like, no, stop. I was talking like he tries to interrupt me constantly because what he says goes and I'm like, no, I'm an adult now. I'm allowed to have this opinion and mine is right anyway. So <laughs> I also had a lot of things that I really related to when I read this and as and saw myself as her like because she she moves in, in high school and we moved in high school. And there's yeah, like kind of all these totally. things. So I think it's fun that we both and I, I think I imagine like most girls reading it really related in in a lot of ways, like could see mm-hmm. themselves in her as a character. Um, so this is where we find out where Christy's from and why she doesn't super fit in, in Newport beach, because she's from a dairy farm in Wisconsin. Um, and we also find out that she grew up with her mother making all her clothes, which I thought was in, I mean, I, one thing I noticed about these is they did not age super well. Like, and she never bothered to update them. Yeah. She no one has cell phones. Everyone, everyone communicates by letter. Yeah. She, so she did update Lindsay. one part um, when I think it's a Christmas present she got. It was, I think the original probably said like she got a tape, a cassette tape and a cassette, you know, player, but she updated it to iPod. And I was like, Oh, that was definitely not in the original. Cause this was written in 1988. So, yeah. And I'm pretty sure there's one point, there's one point where they're on the beach um, where the boys like throw the girls in the water mm-hmm. where Todd looks to Tracy for like a signal and Tracy nods. And I'm pretty sure that's not in the original. I think that's like her attempt at inserting some consent because oh, that's really? also the only they like he doesn't they never check in with any of the other girls and they check in with Tracy and I don't remember that. I mean, maybe it was there, but I don't think it was hmm. Mitch. Oh, um, I, I found that um, I, I also noticed uh, how dated everything seemed except for that Christmas gift segment. And you can date pretty much the exact moment in time that it happened, which is when we were all in high school because she gets an iPod and a CD player, yeah. which was a very narrow range. Um, but in this first book, like all of the clothing and especially like all of the hair styling, it's all extremely 80s. Um, yes. Like yes. Really, uh, actually kind of charmingly. 
Yeah. But also, there is a CD player. So that might have been updated because they go to the concert, right? And the girl, like, gives her one of her CDs. And then they're dry. her and oh. Todd are driving in his tacky big van. Mm-hmm. His cool ba- van, Gus yeah. the Bus or whatever. And he pops in a CD into the CD player. So, like, some of that might have been, must have been updated also. Oh, yeah. Um, I think you're right. My next note is some of these things are so dated, like getting your colors done. That is not a thing, really. Any, I don't think that's a thing like anymore. Like a color swatch? Yeah, getting your color swatches. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that's yeah. been a thing for quite a while. I mean, there you can go and they'll tell you, oh, like, these colors look good on you. But yeah. actually getting them done like that? No. Yeah. yeah. Um, making clothes for cheaper than buying clothes? I can't oh. even remember when that was a thing. That was maybe yeah. when we were little kids. <laughs> yeah, when I read that, yeah. I was like, oh, come um, on. And- <sighs> Like it's okay to be frugal. I understand yeah, that, but that I is, mean, that is definitely not a thing all now. Of her clothes, you probably should just update that to like they went to a thrift store or something. Like, yeah, yes, get yeah. got secondhand. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and and then also the fact that she's fifteen and she's or she's about to turn fifteen and she's only aware to, allowed to wear lip gloss at home. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah. That poor girl. Yeah. No, that I mean, that part, if you grow up in the strict evangelical bubble, that's definitely was relatable to me because my parents did not want me to get makeup. And it was like such this big deal. And when I did start like wearing it or like high, like wearing it when they weren't around or something, I was terrible at it because my mom didn't wear makeup. She um, maybe did like ages ago or something, but she doesn't wear makeup. And so I was never taught how to do it. So I kind of just had to figure it out. And I had like her literally 80s eyeshadow so I had green it was like all these different shades of green (laughs) to try and figure out how to do my eyeshadow amazing but like so that's all I had and so and I remember my best friend growing up she got in trouble when she was 13 14 15 for wearing like either mascara or eyeliner so it's definitely relatable to this particular culture yeah go ahead Candace um I did find it relatable but I just thought like now, I I don't know, maybe it is, st- I think it is still now in like very conservative branches of evangelicism. Um, but yeah, right. when we were, when we were young, although I think I started wearing makeup in high school, like probably when I was 13. Uh, but before that, I know someone gave me like a lip gloss that was like tinted when I was younger than that. And I had to like ask my parents if it was okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So when did you start wearing makeup? Like, I don't even know. I, I, I very rarely wear makeup even now. I wear it actually more often as an adult as, than I did as a teenager, even though I really wanted to wear makeup. But it was always, it was too much attention. Like anything I, anything I wore or put on my face or even wearing like rings from Claire's, my dad would be like, why did you buy all those rings? Like he thought I would, wanted to like show off how rich I am with my, you know, $10 Claire's jewelry. And it was just like, you know, I'm a teenage girl. I want to just have fun. I was Man. just doing it to play, you know, just to have fun and be like, ooh, fun rings that are like the cheapest things ever, you know? And so it was just, I couldn't do it without being judged or thought that having my dad think that I had some ulterior motive other than just the enjoyment of it. 
Um, so I have no idea when I started wearing makeup, like I was probably an adult when I started actually being decent at wearing makeup. <laughs> so, yeah. Karis, when did you start wearing makeup? I don't remember. I want to say probably around 13 or 14. Hmm. Some like before, like in high school or to start high school. I don't, maybe in middle school. Hmm. I don't remember. Most of my makeup consisted of, there was a lady that sold like Mary Kay or something at the church and would always like bring her extras. Do you remember this, Candice? L'Oreal. Was it L'Oreal? It was L'Oreal. Yeah, so she was, she was responsible for like taking all of the expired product off the shelves. And so she would bring in boxes of expired product and uh-huh. everyone would dig through them. Yeah. Yeah. And take what they wanted. So you guys didn't so get in trouble? So that was where 80% of my makeup came from. Oh, no, that's okay. Um, and then the rest of my makeup came from Candace when she was like, I don't want to use this anymore. I'm switching to this. Do you want this? And that was how I got my makeup most of the time. So did you guys not get in trouble for wearing makeup or wanting to wear makeup early? Like, does your mom wear makeup? Because I think that also makes a difference is if your mom wore makeup, then it would be a little bit more okay, but mine didn't. And so, and then also like, you know, the Bible verses about don't, don't draw attention to yourself because apparently putting eye makeup on means you just want all of the attention. Yeah, it means that you're a oh, slut, man. Lindsay. Yeah. Oh, I saw um, I saw a hat today that said <laughs> I this guy was wearing it backwards and I was behind him in the convenience store and it said thanks for being a slut. And I was like, you're welcome? What is that hat? <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> anyway, that was just random, but sorry. Um, So to answer your question, our mom did wear makeup. Okay. And actually, she's the one who found out about the boxes because she was the pastor's wife. So she found them like, and someone told her they were in the office. And so she's the one who's like, hey, you guys, come here. <laughs> come get some free makeup. Hmm. So she actually encouraged us, encouraged us to come and like look through it. Oh, that's fun. Mitch. Okay. So I uh, have to lean on my gimmick here because it's... Well, it's a great treasure trove of evangelical stories. So at Bible camp, um, of course, uh, girls wearing makeup was prohibited. Um, But uh, there would be, you know, morning talk things where the the camp leader guy who sort of doubled as a pastor um, would, you know, talk about like, oh, you know, uh, there's been a problem with cabins being too messy and... uh, you know, like, like camp announcements about like discipline and behavior mm-hmm. and things. And um, there were a couple mm-hmm. times when um, he would say that, like, you, you know, uh, just because we don't allow makeup here doesn't mean you shouldn't take care of your physical appearance. And um, I would have conversations with the other uh, women counselors and they say, yeah, we do our makeup every morning. And as long as we we have to do a certain amount of like natural makeup mm-hmm. and the men literally can't tell Yeah, <laughs> because if, if we do if makeup's not allowed, if you don't do makeup, they're like, why do you, why do you look so strange? What is going on? Go clean why are yourself. You so tired? Yeah. The men you can okay? tell. Yeah. And yeah. Oh yeah. Always the tired. If you don't yeah. wear mascara. Oh, you look tired. 
Like, yep. yeah. shut up. <laughs> um, okay, so Marty, Christy's aunt, takes her for a makeover. She gets a haircut um, and gets a whole bunch of clothes and she's totally remade into a butterfly. Um, and... Okay, I have a... My notes may not be as good as I thought they were because I'm... She... She... Her and Marty have a conversation about going to church for some reason. Whoa. You know what? It I doesn't matter. We have one more conversations about it later. Uh, some reason at the beginning they have a conversation about going to church and Bob. we find out Bob and Marty go to church but they don't talk. They go to church occasionally and they don't like to talk about religion because it's very it, personal. Mitch. Yes, I, I remember this. This is the part of the author's big campaign on this of like, if you think that you're Christian enough, you're not. You're doing it wrong. You have to uh-huh. be Christian in my way. Um, and uh, the, the protagonist is going to be feeling a lot of anxiety about that throughout this entire story. But this is how they, this is how part of how the author starts establishing that, you know, Bob and Marty are worldly and they're not real Christians. They're, yes. they're not, they're not, they're not complete whole Christians. They're, you know, yeah. only maybe like half or three yeah. quarters. <laughs> yeah. We find out they're not very selfish that. because they think that you should go, go for what you want. And yeah, cares. Um, I don't know. I lost my train of okay. thought. No, that's okay. If it comes back, let uh, us know. Um, so then but, she. Oh, oh, go ahead. Oh, mm-hmm. sorry. Oh. On that, on that other thing though. Um. So. She makes friends. Oh, we haven't one got there the things, yet. We haven't got that far. Okay. No. I just want. I, I haven't. To one of the things that she. I said. wanted to talk. I haven't. I'm like the night before she goes out to the beach. Um, she has oh, yeah. that dream about going to hell. Okay. Remember? Okay. Yes. Yes. Before we get into that dream, Sorry. Lindsay, did you have something you wanted to I, add? So I wrote, I wrote down on page 30, um, they are having a conversation. Maybe it's at lunch or something about, um, about church. And Marty says, I've always felt that since God is all around and part of everything, you can worship him, worship him wherever you are. You don't have to go to church to do that. And it's just like what you were saying, Mitch. Yes, what you're saying, Mitch. It's just like, yes, she has it right. I do not, like when I go to church, it's like the worst, most unfun, unworshipful experience ever. Just plop me down in the middle of a forest and I will have a great time with, you know, like having a spiritual moment, you know. Go ahead, Mitch. Yeah. They're afraid of people being able to take ownership of their faith in a way that's outside their control. Yeah. Completely. Just like, completely. Just like all of evangelicalism, evangelicism for, you know, the past mm-hmm. billion decades. We struggle with that one a lot. <laughs> yeah. Karis? I had that same quote written down. Oh, okay. Lindsay. Nice. Because, yeah, so... A hundred percent. hundred percent. Yes. Um, so then she has a dream. I'm going to, I think I'm going to read the dream. Yeah. Okay. Um, give me a second to find it. 
It's between page 30 and 36, oh, probably. Before that, her uncle takes her out for dinner, and we find out she's super hot. Yeah, I what? I have the I have it on here, so there's not... I don't know if it's the same page numbers. Oh, okay. She... 47 on mine. I'm going to start... Um, with I even smell rich. I'm going to read that whole because it kind of sets the. <laughs> she's, yep. So she's just spent this whole day being pampered and being spent tons of money on her. Even smell rich, she thought, crawling into the four poster bed and pulling the white eyelet comforter up to her chin. She turned off the light on the oak nightstand and fell asleep, thinking of how she would try to be outgoing tomorrow on the beach, take her destiny into her own hands, and all that. At about two in the morning, Christy suddenly sat up in bed, her heart pounding and her nightshirt damp with perspiration. She quickly turned on the light and tried to slow down her frantic breathing. Uh, I'm going to skip a little bit. What a horrible nightmare, she shivered in the night breeze at the memory of her eerie dream. She had been lying on the beach when all of a sudden a big wave came up on shore, crashed on top of her and pulled her out to sea. She struggled and gasped for air, and when she finally thrust her nose above the waves in every direction... All she could see was water. The land had disappeared. In the distance, she saw a rowboat. She tried to swim for it, but long, slimy tentacles of seaweed wrapped around her legs and tried to pull her down. Each seaweedy arm had a voice, and in garbled union, they all chanted, Now we've got you! Now we've got you! At last, she reached the boat and frantically grasped the side, ready to pull herself in. Then for one terrifying moment, she couldn't decide if she should hoist herself into the boat or give in to the seaweed's persuasive pull. She was paralyzed by indecision. At the crucial moment, that's when she woke up. <laughs> so she has that dream. <laughs> about yeah. Which becomes important later because she yeah. realizes the dream is about, like, is she going to make a decision to get into the boat to heaven or is she going to be pulled down by the seaweed and go to hell, right? Yeah. It's very, yeah, Mitch. Well, and I, I think it, it goes deeper than that because the now we've got you is specifically like directly related to like, she starts out the book feeling bad about her appearance. Uh, Aunt Marty, who like definitely is, you know, superficial and materialistic, but she sees that her niece is having problems feeling bad about how she looks takes her out gets her a bunch of clothes some of which christy likes and wears and this is an ongoing thing like every time marty takes her out it's uh being an evil controlling materialistic witch and then afterwards christy actually likes it because the author is writing like teen fiction and it's like isn't it nice to have nice things she has this simultaneous thing where marty is vilified Mm -hmm. for things that christy then enjoys but in in this dream with like the now we've got you chant it's teaching that like just the feeling good about taking some agency over your personal appearance uh becomes a conspiratorial trap from satan to destroy you so you you should never feel you should never feel good without fear and anxiety about feeling good being wrong um, mm-hmm. and, and this continues and i hate it mm-hmm. um, 
Go ahead, Lindsay. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree with that. And that's the whole, whole thing of Christianity, especially like as a teenager, I really felt it, you know, the whole like, you can have fun, but not too much fun. And if you're having too much fun, there's probably a problem. So you should be feeling guilty. Why are you feeling guilty? You know, like, it's just this round and round thing that just never enjoy ends. It. Like, yeah, you are not allowed to have fun. And it's like, oh, just because just because it feels good doesn't mean you should do it. Like that whole thing. Like, it's like, okay, so everything that feels good, like eating good food, even like, should I just eat dry toast my whole life and that's like a sacrifice to god <laughs> you know <laughs> candace <laughs> okay um when you said that that just reminded me of um D- wait dave ramsey yes oh yeah dave ramsey mm-hmm. the financial Christian financial guru. And that's one of his big things. Like I was able to pay off all my debt because I only ate ramen and macaroni and rice for a year. Wow. (laughs) So you're right. That's how you're you're not even supposed to have like nutrients in your diet. Yeah. It's not because you like exploit Christians by telling them that, uh, being in, being in debt is a sin. (laughs) Karis. Well, and kind of back to what you said too, Lindsay, uh, it's interesting because it does, it puts this like, this evilness on like being rich. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. being rich, having money, right? Marty, Marty and Uncle Bob and all of this is like very anti the gospel with, right. or whatever, anti, anti-Christianity. And because, you know, you look at them and then you look at like, Todd, who is somehow the epitome of Christian, and he's got his like crappy little van, and he like, you know, you know, you know, like, and and he's the one that she's like wanting to model herself after versus like people that are well off and comfortable in their lives. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Lindsay. Yeah, so I just speaking of Todd, so he has this like goofy van that's like oh that's such a Todd thing he's got his little orange VW or whatever it is Gus the bus but like I didn't remember this but at Christmas and it's the second or third book Christy goes to her house and he's like alone in his big house but his that he's like oh sorry it's a mess the housekeeper hasn't come yet so he's he's rich like his dad is loaded and so why is he driving? Like, clearly his dad, he's in Newport Beach. His dad is loaded. Clearly his dad is going to buy him a BMW or something. Todd isn't going to have to, like, scrounge up his own money for this nasty old man. So it's like, did he get that after he became a Christian and, like, sold all of his earthly stuff to get, like, a crappy thing because he didn't want to draw attention to it? <laughs> What they don't tell you is that actually this van was very expensive because he had to have it like it was so old. It was like a custom remake uh, of a Volkswagen (laughs) van. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So. She's had this nightmare. She the next morning she puts on one of her new swimsuits and she goes to the beach ready to take her future into her hands and meet some people. She puts down her towel. She's sitting at the beach and this gorgeous teenage young woman 
walks onto the beach with like long flowing hair down to her bum and like a gorgeous tan and she sets up her towel next to her and Christy's like why did she have to set up her towel next to me like she makes me look so <laughs> disgusting sitting next to her and and Christy's like no I'm gonna I'm gonna be brave um I'm gonna take charge so then she engages this girl in conversation and we find out her name is Alyssa and the whole time Christy's internal dialogue is like She's so gorgeous and perfect. I hate her. I want to be her. I love her. I hate her. <laughs> and it really, really sets up this like women hating each other narrative yep. like and dynamic. And when you're a young teenager reading these, you know, you take this as like, this is the way the world is, you know? So you internalize that like, oh, if there's like a gorgeous woman, I should hate her and want to be her, you know, like mm-hmm. this is everything is a competition. There's mm-hmm. no nothing built in to like support each other, you know? thing that I think that this book has it like directly in common with the Twilight series in that like the protagonist is supposed to be just kind of like a, uh, you know, an, an, an innocent, meek every person. But what they actually are is a vicious, hateful, <laughs> uh, like bad person and not in the ways that the book understands. I mean, I uh, my takeaway is just a very, very insecure, right? Like yeah, yes, totally yeah, insecure yeah. Um, in herself. And that's again why it's so relatable to to young to teenagers and tweenagers, because um, mm-hmm. we're all like so insecure at that age. But again, like you said, this is an opportunity to model <laughs> a different, a more positive way of thinking about yourself and your, you know, relationships with other human beings. <laughs> Lindsay. Yeah. So that yeah, how Alyssa is like basically a model, like you know, she's looking like this supermodel and then like Bob and Marty's massive, beautiful house. They can afford to eat out at all these fancy places. And that's something that really bothered me this second reading this as a grown up, like how everything that's good, looks good, feels good is portrayed as bad. Just, you know, it's a continuation of that, how it's not sacrificial. You're not like super poor. Cause that's like such a screwed up mindset of Christians is like, you don't want to be too poor, but you don't want to be rich. You know, like you got to be somewhere, What, what, whatever that sweet spot is. I don't know what that is exactly, but it's like, can we not just like, if there's a pretty girl, be like, oh, she's so pretty, you know? And like, that's it. You know, you don't have to be like, oh, she's pretty. She's probably the worst. And that's how, like, as we see farther along, when we find out that Alyssa becomes pregnant, mm-hmm. it's just like, she's got all these problems. Her mom's an alcoholic. Her dad is dead. Just so dramatic. I'm like, my gosh, is every hot girl like got this horrible life? Like maybe some of them are okay, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Completely. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh God, there was so much there. Okay. I, I have so many things I want to say, but what you said about like, there, there needs to be a sweet spot. Like you can't be too rich, but also you shouldn't be too poor mm-hmm. because then you're not working hard enough. Right. Um, it, th- that, that sweet spot isn't real and that's how they get you because you're always chasing it and it's never mm-hmm. good enough. 
and th- there's always that ambiguity of what is when will it be good enough and it never is which is the exact same as their relationship that they refuse to define right oh my goodness mm-hmm. that blew my mind a little bit you're um, yeah, you're exactly really right the refusal to have any clear any yeah. clear boundaries around mm-hmm. anything and also speaking of that like refusing to define clear boundaries around your relationship I mean, it's it's a refusal to define clear boundaries around anything then, mm-hmm. right? Which yeah. is why churches can be so abusive because they won't, they won't mm-hmm. first of all, they won't acknowledge a definition of a boundary that didn't come from them. And then <laughs> yeah. because they won't define it, then they can just kind of walk all over people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. In the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That blew my yeah. mind, Mitch. <laughs> yeah, that was really good. You're so smart. Um. <laughs> oh, stop. <laughs> so Christy and gorgeous Alyssa, which is how I will be referring to her from now on. We should call yes, her just hot that. Alyssa because um, that's what gorgeous Alyssa was trying to say. Hot. Oh, yeah. Hot. Yeah, you're right. Hot. She's a hot girl. Yeah. Hot Alyssa. I love that for her. <laughs> <laughs> Good for her. You do you. (laughs) Hot Alyssa invites Christy to go body surfing in the ocean and tries to teach her how to do it. And of course, for Hot Alyssa, everything comes easily and she's gorgeous and graceful. And as she body surfs her perfect body onto the beach, she's like immediately (laughs) surrounded by all of the gorgeous guys that are there. And as when Christy tries to do it, she ends up just like getting caught in the wave and being thrown onto the beach very ungracefully. And everyone laughs at her except one person comes over and gives her his hand and helps her up and says, are you okay? And this is where we meet the person we've all been waiting for. Todd Spencer. with his screaming silver blue eyes best friend sean is also there so sean um sean and Alyssa very quickly become pretty tight and they all end up sitting together on the beach and sean offers christy a beer and she is 14 and promised her parents that she wouldn't do anything she would regret this summer so she refuses it um, in preference of wholesome American Coca-Cola. <laughs> yeah. And... They always have Cokes or Diet Cokes in this, <laughs> in this book. I know. As someone who doesn't really drink pop, it kind of like grosses me out, but also it's fine. I know like, I know a lot of people drink it, but I'm like, yeah. oh, why? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm judging all of you. <laughs> um... Sean and Sean and oh, then he he makes a comment like, Ugh. "Actually, I do like tonic water." So is oh, that tonic water? Ton- yeah. No. Yeah, it is, yeah, I don't it's know how you guys either. can do tonic. <laughs> the same thing as sparkling. <laughs> oh, it's just like oh, this flavor no, is it's, kiwi. It's bitter. No. It has, it's no tonic water no, is like bitter. It has quinone in it. 
it's cool. different yeah nice. uh it's really good it's really good and like, it's good with gin it's just like grapefruit oh, gin and tonic i just oh, it's good. really good with gin. i need sweet drinks sweet or just like water oh, yeah. i can't do like okay. bitter drinks do you do coffee anyway. no no not at all i do tea no okay yeah oh <gasps> yeah, oh okay. you're like yeah. a sierra jensen kind of yes portland yes i am a northwest girl yeah that's me karis karis so katie ends up there's a series about katie too (gasps) yes yeah there is i haven't okay you guys this is gonna i haven't either um this is gonna kind of blow up into a huge this this is is gonna gonna take take years of our lives to get through (laughs) (laughs) just And I am so excited for every minute of it. Um, Okay. Yeah. So she refuses the beer and Sean's like, oh, you must be one of his friends. Um, And she's kind of like, what does that mean? Because she's very naive and just really dumb sometimes. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) she talks about how like Sean and Alyssa are hitting it off and describes flirting as a private game that she didn't know the rules of. And when they take off, she's like, Oh, they must be going to get lunch when they're like, obviously taking off to have sex, like very clearly. <laughs> sorry. I'm hearing like, I'm hearing myself from somebody's. Yeah. Lindsay. Oh, sorry. Yeah. So I it's mean, fine, I understand ahead, the like, I would probably be just as naive. I can't tell you. I mean, I, I can't describe how naive I was for my whole life. Like my husband still makes fun of me for like sexual like terms that I don't know that are like, um, like slang or something. Like I'll be like, what is that? And he's like, seriously? <laughs> like, I mean, so I was so, I would probably be Christy like, oh, where are they going? Or I might think like, oh, maybe they're going to make out. I wouldn't automatically be like, oh, they're going to go and have sex. Um, I love that so much. And as we found out from reading these books, you are the sexiest person here because of your innocence. Yes. Innocence is so oh. sexy. Oh, man. Oh, my God. And that's I my life goal that. is to be sexy. When we you know, modest is hottest and all that. So gross. <laughs> well, if it's your goal, you can't have it. But if you're doing it unintentionally, then it's working. <laughs> <laughs> Mitch. <laughs> Um, I, I want to say uh, you two in your co- conversation just now, like the uh, the ambiguity between, well, no, in the book, there is no ambiguity. Um, like uh, for normal, like teenagers, they probably would just be, I mean, you know, pe- making out what you want, but probably the assumption would be to just make out. Um, but Especially the way when the you first met someone. <laughs> Yes, yeah. and, uh, but the way that the book portrays it, it's like, no, no, there's no, absolutely no way. Making out doesn't exist in this book. Yeah. There is just chase on the forehead yeah. or fucking. Yeah. There's no in-between, which is, re- well, okay. I'm going to let the rest of you finish out that thought because I know you've got better things to say. <laughs> no casual petting on the in-between or anything. Like, no feeling each other up, no groping each other. I didn't know what heavy petting was for a really long time. Again, d- explained to me by a Christian. Because <laughs> they have to explain to you what they want you to not do. <laughs> so you don't do it. <laughs> was that at youth retreat? 
No, this was when I was in England working for that youth charity. And one of the things you had to sign was like an agreement for living in the house. And it was you weren't allowed to have any kind of sexual interactions with boy, like guys. And one of the things on there was heavy petting. I didn't know what it was. <laughs> You're like, do we have a dog we but don't you know wait. about? Like, what is this heavy petting? I don't understand. <laughs> right. A very sensitive dog? <laughs> Only light petting. <laughs> it's not a dog. It's a pussy. <laughs> but, okay, so you couldn't have any sexual interactions with men. But what about women? Did it clarify? Oh. Or was it just like, do whatever you want? You know. Well, the Bible says nothing. I know. I I, I learned that lesbian sex is not real sex because there's no penis involved. So I don't think they care, actually. Oh, <laughs> sure. All right, then. Logical. Gay yeah. men can have illicit sex, but women, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Well, we don't really exist outside of, like, a sexual Pen- relationship. Yeah. If we're man. not penis yeah. homes, we're nothing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Women don't have sex. They're just there, and the man has sex. They're yeah. a vessel for the man <laughs> yeah. to have sex. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I just want you guys to know this is my favorite part of my week. Yeah, having this, this is... conversation. Um, so Todd kind of gives her a weird look when she's like, "Oh, what are they going for lunch or something?" Um, and then he changes the subject and is like, "Here, let me teach you how to body surf." Um, and she has the best time because he tries to teach her how to body surf. And she can't do it. But then Doug comes along, who is another important character throughout the series. And he has a bodyboard and they teach her how to do it on a bodyboard. So instead of just with her body. And at the end of that, when they have to leave, she goes back to her aunt and uncles. And she's like, basically attributes all of her success to having a new, the right kind of bathing suit and a new hairstyle. Like, thank goodness she got a makeover so she can now have friends. (laughs) um and the next day she's okay so the next day she's kind of killing time before she goes to the beach and she watches this tv show that's all about peer pressure and she thinks it's like super dumb does anyone remember that i don't remember that i oh yeah it's like very obviously like it's like sesame street Oh, yeah. yes, it was right. definitely Sesame Street. Yes, the green puppet and the like bird. the large, right? the large oh, yeah. <laughs> yellowish bird. She like has some kind of weird, like, okay, it's Sesame Street. Large yellow bird, yeah. <laughs> a big fuzzy yellow bird puppet. A green one with shifty eyes tried to talk a big fuzzy yellow bird puppet into buying a pickle and sardine ice cream cone. Um. And so it's uh, it's Oscar and Big Bird having a conversation where Oscar's trying to like bully Big Bird into <clears throat> buying this ice cream, and then the bird, Big Bird finally does it and is is really upset because it's disgusting. And Oscar is like, ha, 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 "I knew you wouldn't like it, but I got your quarter now," um, <laughs> which I think is like you know trying to parallel her life right like this is mm. also oscar is kind of the devil oh, Mitch. I pick up on um this is this really hooks into and it's going to be coming up in like the the stuff that happens uh at, at the party and things but w- 
whenever peer pressure happens um, because I guess in evangelical beliefs, Satan is just mind controlling everyone who's not a Christian constantly. Um, no one ever offers anyone something naughty out of just like, I'm enjoying a beer. Would you like to enjoy a beer? It's always like, drink yeah. the beer, little yeah. girl. <laughs> it makes you feel good. Um, it's, it's always just malice. Mm-hmm. And, and, and a trap. And, and at the party coming up in this chapter, um, it's so disbelievable because she's looking for a drink Mm-hmm. And there's there's no there's nothing but beer. Whereas, okay, come on, party with teenagers that that fridge is going to be full of coke for people to put rum in. Like it's not going yep. to be hard to find a non-alcoholic beverage, even if everyone's committed to drinking because there will be mix. <laughs> That's true, but I think this author also like doesn't understand how people drink alcohol. <laughs> that's what i was gonna say Uh, yeah and also it was just very hard to believe to go from like we've got the weed they've got weed and then they've got they were gonna get cocaine like to like just it's just like so extreme (laughs) and so that's when you are like okay the author doesn't really know about i mean i don't know about drugs but as i'm reading i'm like oh she doesn't know about drugs like oh the coke didn't come but come in and have some weed because they're you know so similar (laughs) like I mean, even I know that those are very different. <laughs> um, I have a lot more thoughts on that, but I'm going to save it till we get there because that's oh, okay. that scene is that whole like party, man. Oh, yeah. and as if no one knew what. <laughs> yeah. a oh, I didn't realize how far like, ahead. Come I'm- on. So she watches the show about, I think what, I think what this TV show is supposed to show us is like, maybe even though the, the face of it, like these, the people offering her stuff are, don't seem malicious. There is like the evil, the devil is behind everything. Like, Uh, (laughs) like mm -hmm. that exact thing that you Mm -hmm. said, Mitch, or maybe I'm giving her too much credit. Karis. I have a thought when we get to the when we get to the party okay yeah um so she goes to the beach she meets tracy and she's trying to figure out if tracy and todd are a thing which as we mentioned at the very beginning we don't we don't know and we never Nobody know knows. yeah can't um, just ask can't use your words to ask no. tracy if she's a thing with todd or <laughs> no, ask you're... todd if you have a thing with tracy yeah this and we is... learn later that's because Tracy will refuse to answer because she's insane. <laughs> that's what um, I was gonna say because she tries later, but then it like goes around in circle and nothing is resolved. Yeah. Um. And I, Mitch, what you're what you're highlighting on here is what it is to be a woman in this culture is to just be like constantly <laughs> gaslit and never allowed to like talk directly about anything ever for fear of wrath really like people get really angry if you kind of like break the rules by trying to be direct about stuff Mm. Lindsay yeah and also the fact that we are always just 100% obsessed with whatever male is in front of our face you know we don't have brains to think outside of just must get man must get man so well I remember what is our purpose um (laughs) if not to be there to be a partner to a man. 
Sorry, Lindsay. Yes. Oh, well, so I was just thinking this is like, I was like 17, I think when my dad, my dad was finally like, so you're not allowed to date until you're 18 or until you graduate, whichever comes last. And I was like, well, when I turn 18, I will be an adult. So whether I'm graduated or not, I can do whatever I want. He's like, oh, right. And I was also like, cause yeah, my whole life is all about wanting to have a boyfriend and like had he not seen my whole teenage years of like not having a male (laughs) like you know you know not having someone that I was like with or attract I mean I was attracted to guys you know I had crushes on guys and stuff but you know it was like never reciprocal and so on and it's just like do you not see have my has my life not proven that I have more on my mind than just this so it's just kind of so frustrating like why do you think that's all I care about? At, and you're telling me at 17 when I'm like six months to, away from turning 18. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. You're so boy crazy. Wow. Oh, man. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, so she she's trying to figure out if they're a thing and Tracy is ragging on Todd for being friends with Sean, which is a common theme through the whole series. Like you should not have friends who are not Christians because Sean is not a Christian and Todd is a Christian. No, not only that, but the way that the author writes Sean is that he's constantly like, Ugh, I hate you so much now that you're a Christian. Yeah. I'm going to do everything <laughs> I can in every conversation to talk about how I wish you weren't. Uh, Tracy. Lindsay. Um, God, no, Lindsay, I'm sorry. We were just talking oh, about I take, Tracy. I take offense to that. I'm just kidding. Oh, no, no. What? She's petite. She's light I brown hair. Um, so, yeah, I wrote down Tracy doesn't get why Todd hangs out with Sean, and she says, take it to the Lord. And it comes off as super uncaring and like, well, he the, he's a heathen, so why do we give a crap about him anyway? And it's like, Oh, that really bugged me when I read yeah. that this time because it's like, dude, isn't this your whole like calling to love the heathens? And isn't that what Todd just literally was? And he's suddenly going to turn his back on his friends. Like at least he's being loving and, you know, hanging out with his friends who aren't Christians because he still loves them and cares about them and isn't going to immediately flip to the other side. Candace. My takeaway now from having having read three of these books again so far is that they only want to convert people who are already Christians, mm-hmm. right? Because Christy's okay because she goes to church, mm-hmm. you know, but she's right. not a real Christian because she she's hasn't. Close. Yeah, like, and yeah, but like, she's for some reason okay to hang out with because she's like innocent and she goes to mm-hmm. church. But if you um, are not already a Christian. <laughs> they don't want to convert you. Right. Yeah. And and anyone who definitely oh, I'm sorry. No, I want no, go ahead. Okay. Finish your thought. Me, me. Finish okay. thought yeah. So and anyone who's clearly not a Christian, like at all, is portrayed as like so bad and so many problems. And it's just like which is what Christians all think. And it's like now that I'm practically a heathen, I'm like, you know, ninety percent heathen at this point in my life. Um <laughs> Like, I still believe in God. Like, I still believe in, like, you know, certain things, but so much of it is just a whole bunch of crap. But anyway, it's like, 
there are so many good people and people of other religions as well. They are not all broken and gross and destitute and like evil and terrible humans. They are just like beautiful people. So yeah, the portrayal of, of non-Christians is pretty. And a teenager who like, like a teenager who drinks beer and smokes pot is also not like the most despicable human in the world you know yeah it's like a typical team but they are you're right they're like totally portrayed as that yeah i totally yeah (laughs) cares um i was just gonna ask if you guys remember or know but because Alyssa is like very not christian but does she become a christian at any point because she does later uh, yeah yeah because i feel like she's like the one that's like christy's like whole yeah whole thing right like their whole relationship is christy evangelizing to Mm -hmm, her mm -hmm. and seeing getting her to become a christian Mm -hmm. right yeah oh that the stuff with Alyssa, man it's got so much there and i can't yeah yeah. she's fun it's a lot (laughs) mitch Mitch, i feel like you want to say something (laughs) (laughs) you just just need to scream you just like have a scream inside you waiting to get out that's all don't hold it in it's my heart curdling inside it's yeah. fine keep moving um so todd doesn't want to just dump sean because they've been best friends since they were little kids which is totally understandable mitch okay now i do have to say something but the way that todd does it is like okay so todd has this kind of like wishy-washy like i still want to be friends with him but he's being a jerk about it like the, the way that he interacts with and talks with Sean is like standoffish. And actually it's the way that he treats everyone. So I guess it's no different, but um, it's, it's not very good. Um, no. um, yeah, no. And the, the thing is, about these books, like they really, again, kind of teach you as a young Christian, how you're supposed to interact with, people who are not Christians and it is not positive, you know, like mm-hmm. you pick up, you pick up that messaging mm-hmm. like, Oh, we have to love them. But also you cannot talk to them or hang out with them because they're awful. Mitch. They want to, mine's quick. They want to have you pushing away and alienating non-Christians by being pushy all of the time, unless they're vulnerable to getting hooked in and converted mm-hmm. or uh, until, you know, mm-hmm. like that's, that's what they're fishing for is don't form positive relationships with people except through converting them. Mm-hmm. Because also um, then that humanizes them. Right. Yeah. And then you're like, Oh, look, what's so yeah. bad about this? Yeah, yeah, it w- yeah. will reveal to you that no, your life isn't going to turn into a car wreck of Satan filing down your tonsils with red hot coals. <laughs> the moment you stop going to church for one Sunday, you, you can, you can just do it. <laughs> Uh, they don't want you to realize that. <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> Lindsay? Yeah, it's a very us versus them and elitist. Like, Christians are definitely better. And it's always like, oh, we're so loving, 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 loving. And it's like, no, we are the biggest freaking jerks. Like, we are so, like, we think we are so much better than people. And we are the most judgmental people on this earth. And I always thought that I was, I didn't know until, you know, recently how judgmental I was. And now I'm like, frick, I'm sorry, everybody (laughs) that I ever interacted with, you know, like that I was so judgmental because even people who would be like, 
oh yeah, I'm Christian. Cause for like, I worked for Mary maids for a while. And even, um, I don't remember what the conversation, how it went, but there was this girl who I talked to and I was like, oh, I just wanted to let you know that I'm a Christian. I don't know if I was like, I'm praying for you or I don't know what the deal was, but I wanted, I somehow wanted to let her know that I'm a Christian. So I told her and then she's like, oh, I'm Christian too. And I was like, oh, okay. And I was thinking in my head, like, oh, she thinks she's a Christian. That's cute. You know? And now I'm like, ah, oh, I'm an idiot. Like, I didn't say anything. I was just like, oh, okay. But it was like, oh, she thinks she's a Christian. And I was the one to be like, oh, she's not a Christian. She just thinks she is. Like, how stupid is that? Like, how, like, Christians think they are the ones to determine people's levels of spirituality, you know? So, Karis? I think. Um, yeah. I, oh. Yeah, Harris is I, next. You're right. Sorry. I had two thoughts. Mm-hmm. One, um, we can't make non-Christians look good because we're sending them to hell and we can't give them any redeemability if we're sending them to hell mm-hmm. because then it makes things more complicated. And why would, why would pe- like people that have redeemability be sent to hell? Right. And that adds, opens a whole can of worms that evangelicals don't want you to open. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thought is <laughs> I had a similar experience when I was working at Booster Juice. One of the girls was... I said something about church and she said something about church. And I was like, Oh, are you a Christian? And she said, yeah. And I was like, Oh, what church do you go to? And it was like the, it was either like, like the LDS church, like the Latter-day Saints, oh, like church yeah. of Jesus Christ, of Latter-day Saints uh-huh. or whatever, yeah. or like Mormon or something. And I, and I had the same thought of like, Oh, you're not really a Christian. Mm-hmm. And like, but I didn't say it, but then, mm-hmm. but I think she had the same thought towards me. Oh of yeah. Course. <laughs> right. Cause that was totally her attitude of like, yeah, but like, didn't want to like talk. She didn't want to talk about it, and I was like, "Oh, this is so interesting." So we had the same inter. Like, yeah. Anyway, yeah. And the yeah, the thing, the thing that's so interesting to me, um, is that like this interaction in this book, right, totally reinforces, and maybe was one of the ways that this way of of like understanding like loving non Christians was introduced to us you know i mean along with just being in the church environment but it's things like like this that reinforce that idea like Mm -hmm. oh no they're they're horrible and dirty and disgusting but we love them you know Lindsay, and just like it is so frustrating at this point in my life well basically you know everything about christianity is frustrating but just the fact that you can't be friends with someone unless you are trying to convert them. I think, you know, similar to what you said, Mitch, is like, you know, you can be friends as long as you have an ulterior motive. It's like, God forbid you be friends with someone just because you enjoy hanging out with them, you know? Karis? I think Karis is next. Can I I respond to that real quick? That's, I I think that's why they always assign this ulterior motive of whenever you're interacting with people who aren't Christians, they're trying to drag you away from the faith because they can't imagine a interaction with someone who's not in your particular clique without <laughs> yeah. ulterior motives. So mm-hmm. they, they, they project that onto everyone Completely. else. Uh, um, I was just going to say, Candace, like, like you said about loving, this is how we show that we love them. And it's, it's the same like love the sinner, hate the sin, which yeah. really just means hate the sinner yeah. until they change into someone that you can love. 
Like yeah. until some they become someone acceptable to yes, love because exactly. they are yeah, exactly. unacceptable yeah. Mm-hmm. right now as they are. Yeah. Yeah. I had a thought about something you said, but it is gone now. Maybe it'll come back. Oh, okay. So okay. That whole like um being friends with people to convert them thing. Right. I re- I remember this is one of the things that always made me so uncomfortable because they they literally preach it from the pulpit. Right? Like this is how you show love to people. You know, this is how um and and it's like it's in all these books that pastors read and stuff like you must first es- be- establish a relationship so that you have like a base from which to evangelize people. Mm-hmm. And the entire thing is just manipulation. Like mm-hmm. it's, and I remember thinking that like from a pretty young age, I think in high school, like this seems so wrong, but you know, you like, you don't have the tools. I didn't have the tools to, to unpack that, mm-hmm. but it, it's so dehumanizing, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. You never think about like when, when you are the Christian, you know, making these friendships with people, you know, with, with that ulterior motive, whether it's, uh, you know, you're actually really aware of that because it's so, you know, indoctrinated that you just think it's what you're supposed to do. Like, just imagine being the person who, you know, being the project, you know, the person who is like, Mm -hmm. you're being friends with them. Like, I can't imagine. I would feel so freaking crappy. Be like, screw you, you know, I don't want to be friends with you when you have, when you're trying to convert me or have any other thing. Candace. It is exactly the same as a multi-level marketing. You know, like you hear (laughs) from a friend totally out of the blue, like, hey, how are you? I really care about you. By the way, I'm selling this thing, you know, mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. exactly the same. And yeah. I feel like it's, an, it's something we've all experienced and it doesn't mm-hmm. feel good. Yeah. So, so because I grew up in the Anglican church, which again is not without its own problems, um, the, the aggressive evangelizing of evangelicals, like it's, it's the name uh, which is telling because it's all that they really care about. Um, you know, that, that always struck me as false. But, you know, as a as a young teenager, like, I didn't really understand, like, what the problem was. I was just like, oh, well, this is silly. I was always taught that, you know, God is powerful and loving and will lead people to him. And if someone wants to come to you to talk about it, that's cool. You don't have to go out and be aggressively flyering people all of the time. Um, and, and I never really, uh, it always was really confusing to me because I was like, do, do they not have any faith in God? And they kind of don't like the evangelical God is so insanely pathetic and weak and can't do anything and needs you to constantly be his hype man. Hmm. That is really so true. I remember yeah. thinking that. Yeah. I remember thinking that so many times, like how big is God? Mm -hmm. i I guess not that big you know Mm -hmm. well and it's that contradiction and that ambiguity of like god is always in charge and in control but you need to be doing everything for god you need Mm -hmm. to be giving everything to god for god to make your life good and okay but also you always have to be doing everything and giving everything Mm -hmm. and just replace god with you know church and your husband and that's the actual truth 
that's the real thing that they're trying for. Yeah. You know? Serve the man. That's um, all that's all it is. What will get all these women to think they're yeah, serving God yeah. by serving their husbands and they will just, you know, grind themselves into the ground until they are nothing because that's exactly what they want and what the misogynistic men want. So that's our mother's generation. Yeah. Yep. Um, okay. Sean and Alyssa arrive on the beach. <laughs> we find out his parents are going out of town and he's throwing a very important plot device party. Um, Todd. So uh, Christy and Christy decide she's going to go because Todd's going to be there. Um, and then Todd leaves to take Tracy to work and Christy is disappointed. Um, and then when she goes home, she, we find out she has like a crazy sunburn. So she has to stay inside for the whole next day. And all she thinks about is Todd because her life is Todd now, even though she's had two <laughs> conversations with him. And she, during this time, she feels really torn between Bob and Marty and feels kind of like she's going crazy because her uncle Bob is so supportive and tells her to be true to herself. And Aunt Marty is constantly trying to change her. And then she has a big cry. <laughs> These are my notes. She cries and cries a lot. <laughs> um again we see women being pitted against each other as Alyssa picks her up for the party and aunt marty just loves her and like can't stop gushing about her and how perfect she is whereas aunt marty's been like pecking at at christy the whole time um and christy's internal dialogue again is that like she hates her and she wants to be with her and then when they leave and they're on their way to the party, we find out that Alyssa and Sean are no longer together. We don't know why. She just thinks that Sean is a baby or something. Because mm-hmm. um, she's 17 and he's 16. 16. Yeah. And I don't know. It has something to do with their sex life, I assume. Yeah. You know? <laughs> That's what I assumed. Um, yeah. So when they get to the party, we find out she's the only person wearing jeans because she decided to go in something that she was comfortable in. And her aunt was like, no, you should wear a dress. Um, And she doesn't. She wears jeans. And then she feels self-conscious because Aunt Marty was right. And I'm sorry. I I have to interrupt. Uh, A teenager wearing jeans to a house party. Yeah, I know. Heaven forbid! I know, God, yeah. how embarrassing! Never, no that faux pas before. God, Christy, you're such a screw. Up. <laughs> yeah, and again, maybe when this book was written, but definitely not like when we were. No. But even, yeah, I know you're right. Yeah, not even. I mean, they're rich in Newport yeah. Beach. But is kind of rich, so maybe it's a bunch of rich kids. But even so, rich kids wear just fancier jeans. Yeah, Karis. really expensive jeans. Yeah. Karis. Yeah. Well, and especially because it's like they all clearly live right by the beach. So, like, yeah, why, like chances are half of them are just wearing like bathing suits with us, like with a sarong over it or something. Mm-hmm. Like, like it's have you not have we not seen the OC? I know this was written before the OC, but come on. But it was it has to have been updated since the OC. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, anyway. so they're at the party. Alyssa kind of dumps her to go talk to an older guy and she's trying to get a drink. So she goes looking for Coke, the Coca-Cola <laughs> in the kitchen. You mean cocaine? Yeah. <laughs> she goes looking for Coke and there's a guy in there 
And she's like, hey, is there any Coke? And he kind of gives her a funny look. And he's like, you'll have to talk to Sean. Um, she, He's upstairs. And so she goes upstairs looking for Sean. And she finds him in a room. Um, and she knocks on the door and he opens it. And she's like, hey, do you have any Coke? And he's like, shh. <laughs> like, because... <laughs> Obviously, what else could she be talking about except cocaine? Um, and pulls her, ushers her quickly into the room and is like, no, the Coke didn't come, but this stuff is really good. And it's marijuana. And they're all getting high. And he gives her, he passes her the joint. And she's kind of like, she doesn't want to take it. Um, and she's kind of like frozen in this moment. And then Todd walks in. And then she's just like so embarrassed and ashamed and she just like kind of drops it and runs away out of the house, right? Is that yep. pretty I think yeah, yep, that's, that's right. pretty accurate. Yep. Um oh and then Todd comes and finds her and tells her he'll walk her home. And the the description of him here is that he always knows exactly what to do. And in brackets I have because he's so in tune with God. <laughs> Mitch. Uh, so, so Todd says, I'll walk with you. It was another one of his statements, not a question or an invitation. Yeah. Just a fact. Yeah. Let's go this way, he added, <laughs> towards the water. Um and and like Serial so killer. Is, Serial killer. Yeah. yeah. Uh it's it's bad vibes and this whole thing about like how he doesn't care about what she thinks he just says what's going to happen mm-hmm. and never checks happen. in with her and we're supposed to love it read the next okay. paragraph okay yeah. sorry so- i just have okay oh. this is what women are supposed oh. to want yes. from their men okay right like this is really priming young women to want to be in a relationship where their personhood is non-existent because the men already the men know exactly the right thing to do and it doesn't matter what you want to do basically Lindsay? yes this is exactly what that was and so reading it again like now i'm like okay so she's trying to be like oh my gosh he's taking the lead he's pursuing me he's doing all of this stuff but it, he never asked, which is so infuriating, not even a like simple, can I walk you home? Like, how hard is that? Just say, hey, can I walk you home? What if she wanted to be by herself? Like, it's not that far, clearly, if she's walking home, she might be okay. Maybe she wants company. Maybe she wants to cry by herself. Like, it's just so frustrating that he thinks like, oh, I got this, you know, like, I'm good. I know exactly what you want. Swoop in. Yeah. What she wants is irrelevant. Yeah. Because exactly. he knows what she needs. Yeah. Yeah. Rich. Willingly, she followed him, not sure of what might happen next and too unsure of herself to do anything else. Isn't that romantic? Does that sound like he's about to rape her to anybody else or just me? Like, I read that and I was like, uh. I definitely. It was very bad vibes. It was very bad vibes. Oh my God. Um, I'm sure. She's too. Sorry. No, go ahead. Oh, uh, yeah, and she's just like too so emotionally overwhelmed. She doesn't know what she wants. She's just this stupid ditzy girl. Like, oh, I need the man to rescue me. My gosh, thank yeah. God for Todd. It's annoying. Thank God for Todd. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then they go to the beach and they sit on the beach for a while. 
it's so romantic. She's on the beach with Todd and uh, what she thinks is what started as a crush was becoming sil- becoming something much deeper. Sorry, my autocorrect on my phone gives me weird words. <laughs> I have to figure out what it's supposed to say. What started, what started as a crush was becoming something much deeper. This is literally the third time she's seen him. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's bit, like, and for for it's like twenty minutes at a time. Like, how? <laughs> yeah. What? How do you know this is becoming something much deeper? Cares because mm-hmm. up. Or, sorry, earlier on that same page, she also says he Todd interrupts her jumbled thoughts. You want to sit over there on the jetty for a while? I I don't know. I guess so. She felt guilty for not trusting Todd, but it was too hard to try to make any decisions at the moment. Oh my god! She doesn't trust him, and she's going to go with him because she doesn't want to make a decision. Yeah, and yeah. then and that's and good then, because she is a woman, you yes, know. Like she doesn't yeah. know, so she needs yeah. the man to tell her instincts. what to do. And she doesn't trust him, but she goes with him anyway. And then she talks about how it was a crush, but now it's felt like something more. But she doesn't trust him. Sorry yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So something that like basically dominated my entire high school uh, dating, I mean, not dating um, <laughs> career was this uh, thing that they kept harping on with all of the purity crap and the courtship dating crap of like, as a teenager, you are hormonal and full of like puppy love and lust and urges and just infatuation and you can never trust what you're doing and like okay so so two things like one it's okay to be infatuated that's that's all right two that's what's happening to her here except infatuation is bad so it can't be that Mm -hmm. because this is god's chosen boy for her which is a horrible thing to communicate to teenage girls like uh, infatuation is bad and evil. Also, sometimes you'll be infatuated and it's God's plan for your life. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like the language around that becomes much more explicit in the next couple books and the rest of the series, right? Yeah. Where it's like, God has a plan for your life and it includes a perfect person for you. Um, and this whole idea that God is orchestrating everything for your relationships. Can I just say that that belief system has fucked me up in every single relationship I've been in? (laughs) The idea that there is one perfect person for you, and if you choose the wrong person, you've, like, fucked up your life. That's a terrible teaching. So they're sitting on the jetty, and she asks Todd if he likes marijuana. And he we find out that he doesn't partake because he's a Christian. Christy's like, well, why does that matter? Um, And we find out Christy, although she's been going to church her whole life and was infant baptized doesn't count as being a christian because it's not personal for her even though she's literally done all the things and been going to church her whole life Lindsay, yes this part is so dumb like she's basically she is has been raised in the church like how they make it seem like she totally she they make her seem really kind of dumb and ditzy you know like oh well i didn't know any of this stuff if you were raised in the church going to church every sunday come on now you're gonna know something like, you know, and you, whether you've like fully said, you've, heard. you've probably given your life to Jesus 10 times at this point. <laughs> Mitch? <clears throat> Mitch. Uh, I think that in the author's mind, what she's trying to communicate is something that so many evangelicals think and like definitely the way that they treated me. 
um, which is like, if you didn't come up in the evangelical church, you know, we trained you wrong as a joke and you, you don't know anything about Christianity, which is why I boomeranged around into being an instant celebrity when actually, no, I had a pretty in-depth knowledge of a lot of theology for a 15 year old, mm -hmm. you know, but um, th like th that's what they expect is that like they have this uh, weird image of like uh, a completely brain dead non church that everyone who isn't whoever goes to their particular mega church mm -hmm. is, is going to where they don't learn any of the real stuff about Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Like this is any like what Anglican Lutheran Catholic like if you're not, if you're Episcopalian, <laughs> you're not a Christian. <laughs> Who else does infant baptism? Methodist. Yeah. My husband was baptized right. as as oh, a Methodist. baby uh, in the Methodist church. Yeah. <gasps> Lindsay, what? you married a non-Christian. Oh, crap. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, he was, he was actually baptized <laughs> this whole time. We're going to have to get divorced now. Uh um, except that's evil too. Yeah. So, um, but, um, yeah, he was, he was There's baptized no as a baby. If you make that choice, you're stuck. I know. Yeah. I have to submit to him anyway. So it's all good. Um, yeah. So he was baptized yeah, as a baby. And then, no, <laughs> and then, um, he was also baptized as an adult by choice. So yeah, but anyway. Got all his bases covered. He got, yeah, he's good. Yeah. Well, you could cover one more with a posthumous baptism from the Mormons, and then you've got all. Oh, <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing. Really? Oh, it is. It's great. Wow. It's great. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I have. Um, Okay, so we find out. Oh, Karis, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say she also told tells him about her summer promise. Oh yeah, that's oh, yeah. important. Yeah, and he's like, a promise can last a lifetime, kind of like the promise of their love, oh, which is foreshadowing, quickly becoming a thing. Yeah, well, not really Isn't foreshadowing. That like one of the good. book names. Yeah, the name is Summer Promise. The first this book, book is, is called promise. Summer Promise. Yeah. Oh right, yeah. Right. So I guess this is kind of important. Yeah. The title is named after it. It's the main um, Oops. <laughs> and it's a double yeah. entendre. Because it's like her summer promise to her parents, but then also she, she later has a summer promise to Todd. Yeah. Um, oh. But I, and it's, so at this point, Todd starts, Todd is talking about like a personal, having a personal relationship with Christ. And I just wanted to talk. Can we talk about this idea of having a personal relationship with Christ and how, like, how it has been used as an approach to internalize people's oppression? Like, we we can inter it is used as a tool to help people internalize their own oppression because if someone hears from God and it is something that doesn't align with like the church leadership, then you're actively like gaslit. You're not actually supposed to have a personal relationship with God, mm. you know, and because yeah. people who do or, you know, who or who have like an active spiritual life mm -hmm. and are praying and reflecting and seeking, you mm -hmm. know, God and believe that God is love always come up with conclusions that 
art that do not align with the church. Yeah. And the church is yeah. always like, no, you can't trust that. Yes, exactly. Even though that comes from the thing that they encourage you to have a personal relationship with Christ, except they only want you to have it because they want that to be like their voice in your head to keep you in line. Mm-hmm. Karis. Totally. This is, well, this is where I think of like the whole concept of deconstruction. Mm-hmm. Yes. People who are yeah. like, oh, actually this is not, this is not church. Like this is not God. This is church. And I would rather God. And therefore I'm walking away from church because they are directly in opposition to each other. And then pastors being like, oh no, they're not hearing God because that's evil to leave the church and that's not God and whatever. Like it's exactly what you're saying, Candace. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Lindsay. Yes. That's exactly like exactly where I am right now. I'm like, We've talked about personal relationships with Jesus Christ. You know, that's the entire gospel is, do you know the Lord and, Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, or whatever it is, you know, is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? Do you have a personal relationship with him? And I'm like, yeah, I do. So goodbye. You know, like, it's just, it, it just frustrates me so much that yeah. I am like so, so outside of the church now that I feel like they're like, so disappointed in me, so upset. They probably think the devil is just dragging me down and I'm a willing, like, I, I chose the seaweed, you know? I'm like, oh, yes, please drag me down to hell. And, like, <laughs> you know, like, going back to that illustration. and it's But like, you're the one in the boat while they're tangled yes, in the seaweed. Yeah, uh, this is what's so frustrating is, like, I remember when I would see people, like, saying that they left the church or they don't consider themselves Christians anymore. And I'd be like, oh, I would be so frustrated and hurt and everything. And I'm like, oh, hi. Like, you know, like, here I am. I'm now on the other side. I'm now the bad person. I'm now the one who's going to hell. And it's just, like, so frustrating because I'm closer to God now. You know, like, I have, I still believe in God. And I talk to God and everything, like, most days. But I don't. I don't have like the whole guilt of the evangelical church, you know, and I don't think I sin every two seconds and have to repent all the time. And I, I am like, okay, I am an LGBTQ ally, which feels so like a burden has lifted, (laughs) you know, like there's so much stuff that is crap in the evangelical church, all these teachings, and it's so burdensome. And I was just like thinking today how much better and how much happier I am outside of the freaking bubble. Like, I am so good. I am okay. I know I'm okay with God, whatever you want to believe. Like if you think I am evil or you want to pray me back into the church, just please don't, you know, (laughs) go ahead. Yeah. And it's like, it's almost like your personal relationship with God rescued you from the church. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm so glad to be out of it. That's that for years that's been, I've not liked the construct of like a church building I've been okay with that for years my husband and I both have like as far as like we were okay with house church and like little you know get togethers with friends and such and um and now it's just really we haven't found a church that we love here and I we still occasionally go to church and my husband is like spiritually we're kind of like not on the same page which is fine like he's so supportive of me which is amazing even though he's not you know, we used to agree a hundred percent on everything spiritually. And now I'm like, Oh, this is stupid. This is stupid. This is stupid. But yeah, 
I don't know where I was going with that, but just it's so much better on the outside. Get out, everyone. Get out. Agreed. Yeah. 100% agreed. Also, it sounds like you have a really good relationship, like that you can yeah. be different and have different thoughts and still have a relationship. Who knew? Yes, I know. It's, isn't, it, <laughs> isn't it incredible? We've been married 10 years and amazingly, we still like each other. We still get along. And even despite this like major thing, and it is a major thing. This is probably the most major thing like that we've had in our marriage as far as like differences. It started like last year politically. We we're just like, woo, opposite. And so... But yeah, we're still like friends and it's like weird because that's another thing that's made me realize, you know, the whole unequally yoked thing, like a Christian marries a non-Christian and oh man, they're going to have a crappy marriage. It's just bound to happen. It's like, that's so stupid because Christians who marry each other have crappy marriages all the time. And, you know, like, and people, you know, and you're going to, you're (laughs) going to grow seriously. And as people, and if you're going to grow as people, which is a good thing, you are eventually going to end up having different opinions, different beliefs. And so far up until like a year ago, we were very, very much on the same page for almost everything and got along really well. And now we are have very different opinions on things and we still get along very well. So it is possible. Anyway, that was a yeah. major tangent, tangent. Sorry. I know. I love that. Thank you for sharing. No, it yes. was great. Yeah. <laughs> Karis? Karis. Um, I uh, just wanted to say I had a conversation with a friend about like church and it's place in your relationship with God a little while ago and this was a friend that like in high school she was a wild partier and was out smoking marijuana doing whatever dating girls dating guys having sex and then now she's um, a middle school youth pastor (laughs) at a church in Red Deer and Hmm. she uh we had a conversation about church she did and this Mm -hmm. was it was a really disappointing conversation Cause it was, we had this conversation and then we had a conversation about politics where she, her and her husband were basically like conservative or nothing. And I just was like, okay, because everyone was voting conservative because they were afraid of um, gay straight alliances coming into their schools. That was a whole other issue. Remember that whole thing? Yeah. Well, we'll have to talk about that on, that's a whole episode. That's a whole episode on its own. But we, uh, I found, I wrote notes about it after the conversation. So because I do this, I like to journal and I like to process things. And because I'm working on a memoir that I'll just shamelessly plug right now that I'm working on a memoir that <laughs> will be available to read at some point in the future um, that you can pre-order. I don't know. Um, but I wrote it down because I thought it would be a really good conversation to include in the memoir. So I just went looking for it. And I don't have all... But basically, I said, um, so she said, people leave, are leaving the church in droves because they're not really pressing into God. And my challenge, my response was that maybe people are leaving the church because they are pressing into God. Uh, and I said, I know, and lo- I know a lot of people who love Jesus and can't do church anymore. Mm-hmm. At what point is that their fault? Fault their fault? And at what point is it because the church is actually completely missing the point and focusing on stupid issues? Uh, yeah. And this friend of mine was like, "But you and I are talking about two different issues." And I was like, "Yeah, but the point is that there's more one re- more than one reason as to why people are leaving the church." 
So maybe people are walking away from God, whatever, but that's not all the whole reason people are leaving the church and not the larger percentage. Uh, people are leaving because they're not connecting with what the church is doing. Mm-hmm. We're looking for raw experiences with God and we're not getting them at church. And my, uh, and my friend's response was, but is that the church's fault or is that because we're unwilling to give up everything for God? Are we standing in our own way and blaming it on the church so we don't have to do any of the work ourselves? Ugh. And I said, but what about the people that go expecting and seeking and laying everything out at, for God, like doing everything they can and then walk away completely disappointed? Like you don't know their hearts or their struggles or where they're at, like. So, um, anyway, so that was kind of our conversation in a nutshell. Those were like the highlights of it Mm -hmm. where she was like, but is that the church's fault or is that your fault for not being perfect? And it's like, but sorry, that's not how God works. Is that? No, it was the exact opposite. It was like a civil (laughs) conversation, but it was very frustrating. And that's just like every every response like any pastor anyone you talk to who's still super in the church super like church is the way to god that's their comeback every time and there's just nothing to it anymore you know it's just like you've said this over and over again give me a real answer and if you can't just say that you don't know and that you can't and maybe you could start questioning that a little further you know yeah go ahead mitch Jesus had a term. Oh, uh, Candace, go. You, you, you started her. Oh, Jesus had a term for the church of his time, and that was <laughs> yes. whitewashed tombs. It is dead. Yeah. It's totally dead. It's a graveyard, and they wonder why living people are thing. leaving That's it. That's why I'm leaving the church. Well, I, I think that Sorry. they're... Sorry, I totally interrupted you. Go ahead. Yeah. No, no, it's good. good. Yeah, no, we're, we're devolving into a little pop, bit of popcorn. That's fine. Um, I, I think that those conversations are very telling because they are confused mm-hmm. because they're saying, well, if the church isn't giving you what you need or you don't like what the church is doing, just change yourself so that it, the church is so that you like the church now, yeah. because that's what they did. Yeah. Because that's what they did to themselves. And yeah. they're so deep sunk in that they can't understand not doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they've brainwashed themselves. Well, and that's the um, thing uh, is, uh, like, Lindsay, I mean, yeah. th- never in a zillion years would you have told me and would you probably, would you guys probably have ever thought that I would leave my beliefs, you know, I mean, I was a freaking missionary in Mexico for two years, you know, like, and to go from 10 years, like when I look on my Facebook memories 10 years ago, I'm just like, all of it is just like, Oh, Jesus is so good. Miracles, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, Oh boy, how things have changed. And I mean, not that I don't believe, you know, in Jesus or in miracles and so on and so forth, but it was so like, (laughs) boom, boom, boom. This is all it is. This is all it is. And just, um, I kind of, I kind of lost where I was going with that, but just, yeah, and the whole leaving the church thing back to that. Yeah. Why I am why I hate going to church is because I do not find God there at all and I find him basically anywhere yep. outside of the church. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that's the other thing I was going to say. He's not there. Right. Oh, I was going to try to use she there. because I'm so used to saying he and I'm comfortable with that, but I was going to try to start saying she for God more. But anyway, I know. um 
Yeah, like the deconstruction thing and just I never arrived at it on purpose, you know? And so it's not going to happen until until it happens. You know, I arrived at it completely by accident, thankfully, (laughs) you know? And so, but once you're in it, I mean, when I was in it, even just a year ago, I was still you know, not fully in a actual church building, but still very much holding to my strict beliefs. And there's no way you can get out of it or get anyone to change their mind. Yes. Candace. Um, how did you, how did you stumble into So I didn't actually know there was a term for it. I was actually talking to my husband one day and being like, I feel like I'm just deconstructing my entire faith. And then I went on Instagram. I'm like, oh, there's like a ton of Instagrams of like deconstructionists and ex-evangelicals. But um, I was like, I thought I was the only one. So basically when the election, (laughs) I live in the United States of America, yeehaw. Um, So um, when the election was ramping up last year and just the horrendous ugliness of Christians being the most unloving, disgusting people I've ever seen um, online, especially, you know, and with like the whole Trump, like worshiping Trump, a picture of Trump on the cross, like, like thinking Trump is the savior. And they're saying, oh, we're not worshiping Trump, Trump, like, no, you are worshiping Trump. And it is so freaking disgusting. (laughs) Yes. Lindsay. So I just, I'm sorry. Mitch's reaction to that was like so perfect. Can you I send can... us that picture? That's like exactly the kind of thing that Mitch yeah, likes to keep I on fire. Okay. <laughs> I can try to find it. Yeah, it was like if you find it. Yeah, it was like about I it. can't remember exactly when I saw okay. it, but I'll try to. I'll dig through, and if I find it, then I'll send it. Um, but yeah, that was just disgusting. Cool. Like absolutely disgusting. Um, and so I started listening to this guy called the nonpartisan evangelical. He was like the first podcast that I ever listened to, um, a year ago because I'm way behind and I have little children. So it's like to get a moment alone to actually listen is difficult. But, um, so he was talking about, uh-huh. um, he's definitely now like left wing, but at the time he was called the nonpartisan evangelical. And it was really interesting hearing him talk about, Um, you know, how Christians are being ridiculous with the whole Trump thing and thinking that he's the savior and he's going to fix everything when he's really a despicable, disgusting human. Um, um, you know, I mean, Jesus loves him, I guess, but, um, anyway, so, so I started, oh yeah, oh oh, boy, does he, yes, whatever, whatever works for his political gain. Yeah. His favorite Bible verse. His favorite Bible. He yeah. likes it all. What, what is that? There's like he, they told him, they asked him to pick up, say what his favorite verse was or something. Because someone asked him like, yeah. what, what's his favorite book of the Bible <laughs> or something? I think it was even book of the Bible. And he was just like, they're, yeah, I, I like, the they're all good. That. That's a good one. <laughs> um, anyway, which is not a book of the Bible. Um, So I just started listening to that and being like, okay, so someone is kind of like agreeing with my, what I had started thinking were my beliefs as far as like, I can't be the only Christian who is thinking that this is not okay. And, you know, these things are not right. And how, how just unloving and disgusting Christians were being, sorry, I keep repeating that. I don't know how else to say it, but yeah. So I started like listening to his podcast and then I started questioning like close to the election. I was like, 
so in the United States, um, LGBTQ, like gay rights or uh, gay marriage, I think is legal everywhere now. But I was thinking about it and I was like, well, whether I personally believe like homosexuality is a sin, everyone is a human and all humans should have equal rights, whether I agree with it or not. And then I, after that, I started like really researching in the Bible myself because I had only, you know, it was all just like spitting out what exactly whatever I had been told my whole life was like homosexuality is bad, 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 bad. And I was like, wait, why is it bad? And, uh, you know, looking into these verses. And so I like did all of this research about it, read articles, um, you know, all of this stuff. And then I was like, okay, so I don't really know or know if I believe that homosexuality is a sin and I don't really care, you know? And so I like, I was going to get, I got my nails painted in like rainbow colors just it was kind of like it was a big part of like my spiritual like journey coming out of that and like or becoming an ally for gay people that was that and then just everything else I'm just kind of deconstructing my entire life it's very relatable I think that most people once they realize the humanity of people who don't believe the same thing that they believe then it changes it changes your yeah, relationship yeah and the thing is you can oh sorry Nope, go ahead. Oh, so yeah, you can't like, you know, Christians think that their religion is the only way and it needs to be in government. And you, there's got to be this separation of church and state. Like you can go ahead and have your beliefs and have them like super strong, but you do not need to interfere with other people's lives as far as their beliefs. What if there's like a Muslim person or a Buddhist person or whatever their beliefs are? Like you want it, what if they try to get their beliefs that they feel so strongly are right into government you're gonna like reel at that and just fight it so hard so keep it separate have your beliefs and let's mm-hmm. just yeah it's evil so yeah uh that, that actually happened there was a uh instance of i forget which state it was it was some state in the midwest i think there was um a an, an evangelical politician who uh, ran this big campaign for like funding and rights for religious schools. And then under that big new bill that she passed, a, uh, a, a Muslim children's school opened. And she's like, no, not like this. Yeah. No, yeah. wrong. Well, I, when I said freedom of religion, I meant freedom of my religion yes. and no one else. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. It is so ridiculous. Like you, like Christians are so yeah. Into, yeah they're saying not like, freedom at all oh, yes oppression for everyone like, else yes, we want freedom for ourselves because we're better than everyone else and that ties into a whole bunch of stuff like racism and blah 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 blah, blah. like the list is endless really so it's i mean it's very telling that the thing that americans harp on the most that they mm-hmm. have is freedom because they need everyone to believe that they have freedom, but it's never really yeah. defined. Like, what does freedom mean? Freedom, mm-hmm. freedom to do what? Mm-hmm. Freedom. Okay, what? so I have to you know? I have to jump ahead to the second book on that because, like, that whole freedom thing, I was just really confronted by something because just while I was reading, uh, a big plot point is uh, how 
big of a deal it is to get arrested for a misdemeanor for going to the pharmacy mm -hmm. at 10 30 p.m mm -hmm. and being out past curfew mm -hmm. and i was like okay no no sorry uh, my suspension of disbelief is broken you can't fool me evangelical author lady I, there's no way that criminalizing children for being outside at night is real. So I did research on uh, curfew laws in the States and I was absolutely blown away. Um, it's, it's a totalitarian police state in a lot of ways that I had already known, but that one had flown under my radar. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's disgusting and horrific mm -hmm. and nowhere else on the planet treats their children like this. Yeah. Yeah, it's wow. crazy. <laughs> Land of the free. Um, oh, don't you feel I can't free even now tell that you. Live you. There, the question that I hate that I get is so, what okay. do you from, from Americans, especially, is like, so do you like Canada better or the United States better? And it's just like, well, obviously, what do you, you want me to say, the United States? And so I always try to be like, oh, well, you know, they're both, they both got good stuff, you know, whatever. But then when I go to Canada, so do you like Canada or America better? It's like, oh. Yeah, you should yeah. just drop Canada, the bomb. Obviously, drop the bomb. You know, in Canada, you don't have to pay to have a baby in a hospital. Did you know in Canada you can, uh, you can walk in to the hospital for any yeah, health condition free, yeah. and you'll get treated for free. I know, and Did then you know, so I've Canada? yeah, the universal health healthcare yeah. thing. Yeah. Anyway, um. Okay, so <laughs> they're sitting on the jetty. I I oh, no. I'm not sure yeah. we're going to make it through we're this book in this episode. I think that's we okay. should. Yeah, I think it's. Yeah, oh, I, say, I we think make yes. It cares. To, like, we're almost there, but to like the catalyst moment yes. for everything else. Okay. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Okay, great. I love that. Okay, so they're on the jetty, and they see Sean and his group of friends coming onto the beach. Sean is super stoned, and he wants to go body surfing. Um, and again, we see how she does not understand how marijuana works because 100% Sean sat and like stared at the middle of the floor and then <laughs> fell asleep in that room yeah. and is not wanting to go body surfing. Maybe like went downstairs and <laughs> yeah. ate a whole bowl of yeah. chips. Like, no, no. Not only that, but yeah. like the way that he's it's aggressively just argumentative. Yeah. Impossible. Mm -hmm. It yeah. would have. Unless what's the yeah. combination <laughs> totally. of like alcohol and marijuana? I don't drinking. know. Right. I was going to say, was he drinking too? And did, oh, okay. Like uh, no, right. No, that's possible. Yeah. I don't know. I know people tell you not that's to do it. So, like, <laughs> or they tell you to yeah. do it, I <laughs> guess, true. depending on who your friends are. Uh, my, uh, I've never done that, so I don't know. <laughs> people who don't ever do anything bad. <laughs> no, you get out. It was actually you're, a, you're not a part of this anymore. Very long time because of how like I don't know uh, the culture worked for me growing up as a teenager. Um, it, it was like years and years and years and years before I actually tried marijuana on its own without being absolutely plastered first. Um, so. When you were drinking and smoking marijuana, were uncontrollable you raging totally urge crazy. to body surf, no matter what <laughs> told me, or just do really, really risky, dangerous things? Like no, no, no. I mean, this is this is just some dare propaganda crap, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, like uh, uh, people yeah. people do irresponsible things and get hurt 
doing drugs. People do irresponsible things and get hurt in a lot of circumstances. Mm -hmm. Like I, I'm, I'm not going to go on some like um, ultra libertarian pair about like no, there's there's absolutely no difference. Drugs are never dangerous for you whatsoever. But um, you know, the, the author obviously lays it on mm -hmm. really thick mm -hmm. because yeah. uh, he, he gets the reefer madness. <laughs> the reefer uh, madness Ken? is that what it's called? Yeah, <laughs> the reefer madness. That, yeah. <laughs> Um, I think more likely what's happening here is that he is yes. an adolescent boy yes. and they do dumb stuff all the time because they don't have, yes, their brain like, cognitively, they don't have the consequential thinking yet. And many, and they don't yes. get it till like their late twenties. Okay. Cares. Sorry, Mitch, but has anyone else seen the posts that are like reasons why women live longer than men? And it's men just doing Stupid oh yeah shit. like yeah. grown men middle-aged men yeah. just doing stupid shit yeah. like, like having an extension cord floating in water on a flip-flop and then like oh. a bunch of stuff plugged into <laughs> it because that's safe uh oh in like God. a pool yeah. anyway but like the I feel like this is more one of those things. Yeah, she's like, it's all blamed on the drugs and the alcohol. Yeah. Well, mostly the it's, drugs, it, I think. But yeah, it's just like, he's 16. You can't expect him to act like an adult. And he's probably just being goofy with his friends. There's a reason why young men mm -hmm. have higher car insurance and things. Because they are way more likely to get into mm -hmm. an accident by doing something risky. Because it is like known that part of their brain... Mm -hmm. does not function well so i i think a key thing of what happens here is that like so todd makes an attempt to be responsible um mm -hmm. he he argues with, he argues with sean and tries to, to stop him. him he says like you know you're, you're you're under the influence you're impaired you're doing an activity where you could get hurt at night don't do it but he fucking sucks at it like he's he's absolutely terrible at talking him down and um after i'm trying to look for the exact lines but um he he just like has this standoffish like doesn't even try to really convince him more just like shames him mm -hmm. and then he just says hey i tried okay yes. he's responsible for his own actions and that's it mm -hmm. um which, you know, uh, for for a teenage boy, like, that is a fuck-up that I can understand mm -hmm. happening. The problem is that the author portrays Todd as constantly perfect and full of divinely inspired wisdom that is telling people the right way to be mm -hmm. all of the time in the rest <laughs> of the book. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And in this instance, he is not the hero. Um, okay. one time, he just, like, loses it. Christy couldn't hear Todd as he confronted Sean, but she saw him pulling on Sean's arm. Then Sean jerked away from Todd and bellowed out a series of cuss words, ending with, I don't need this from you. Get out of my face. Sean plunged into the water while a few of the guys in the crowd started pushing Todd around. He turned away from them and stalked through the sand back to Christy. Yes. That, yeah. Was that the, the second there's there's a second conversation like once the they've left and um, yeah because then he says let's go get ice cream yes yeah, so they go to the ice cream shop where Tracy yeah. works and Christy this is okay this is part I thought was really interesting because Todd is super activated uh -huh. he's super uh -huh. mad and he's just 
she's with this guy she doesn't know he's Anger. radiating all yeah. of this like rage and frustration and she takes on the role of placating him she tries to like calm him down by telling him like a silly story she chattered away trying to use her words to cheer him up because that's her job yeah. as the woman <clears throat> she is responsible better. for his emotions as a man yeah. and, and for regulating them. yeah right mm-hmm. and regulating them but it doesn't work when she does it. Tracy is the one who can regulate him. Possibly because they're friends yes, and she met him two days ago. Exactly. She's known him longer. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, okay, so they go to the ice cream shop and Todd starts, Todd buys Christy ice cream and then Todd starts telling Tracy all about what happened with Sean and Tracy's super judgmental and gives him advice that's like, well, I told you that you yeah. shouldn't even be friends with him. <laughs> And that's where we find out that she taught, that Sean is his best friend. But when he became a Christian, their friendship kind of like the closeness they used to have ended. And in Christy's mind, she's like, well, why does that matter when you become a Christian? <laughs> right. And this is where we find out she's like, so because she's so obviously not a Christian, even though she's a Christian, she can't yeah. she doesn't understand mm-hmm. what it means if, to be a Christian. if you're not being so obnoxious about your newfound faith that you're pushing away your best friend. You're clearly not faithful. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, you don't even know what it means. (laughs) When we left, Sean was totally stoned. I tried to stop him from going into the water, but he just blew me off like I was nothing to him. Todd took a chomp out of his pineapple wedge. I almost slugged him, Trace. I almost bashed him right in the face, but I know it wouldn't have stopped him. Uh, Chrissy felt excluded from the conversation as Tracy gave her advice to Todd. I know it's hard, but you can't spend the rest of your life feeling responsible for Sean. He's the one in the wrong. It's not your problem. Just turn it over to the Lord. Oh, yes. Uh, Then, yeah, then he's like, but he's my best friend. I can't just let it go like I don't care. You've never understood that about me, Tracy. I stick up for my friends, even when they're being jerks. I feel like this statement, he, you can't spend the rest of your life feeling responsible for Sean is very telling of like or like kind like kind of foreshadowing right of like what happens next and also like the whole point of evangelicism is i remember growing up feeling like i was responsible for the salvation of everyone i ever met because if you don't tell them you know like if you're not evangelizing to your friends and alienating them so that you are further entrenching your position in this church, yeah. uh, you know, um, then mm-hmm. what What are you even doing? God, you need to be evangelizing people. You need to be responsible for literally yeah. everyone around you. So it's like a very mixed yes. message. They just, they, and I feel like this is, again, something that abusers do. They like, give you opposite things to keep you confused and Mm -hmm. keep you guessing and keep you vulnerable. Yeah. And just like the whole thing that Tracy says about you can't, you can't be feeling responsible for him your whole life or whatever it is. It's just like, clearly now that you're a Christian, you're better than him. So he's not in our clique. Let's move on. And, um, and also the whole like thing that you were saying, if you don't let someone know that you're a Christian within the first five minutes of meeting them, like I would feel so guilty if I would be like working at a job or something and be like, okay, I would always be thinking, how can I bring this up? How can I bring this up? Try to like ease it into conversation naturally and not be like, oh, by the way, I'm a Christian. Like, why did I have to, why did I have to let people know 
by the way, I'm a Christian, uh, you know, like, <laughs> and I couldn't, cause some people, people would be like, oh, you're like the nicest like person ever. Yeah. By the way, I'm a Christian and you need to know this because if not, then I will feel guilty for the rest of my life because I, you know, Jesus is going to just hate me for not telling you that I am a Christian. I believe in him and you need to believe in him too. And it's just like, people would say that like, oh, you're the nicest person ever. And I'd be like, oh no, they think I'm the nicest person, but I didn't say I'm, I'm nice because of Jesus. They just think I'm nice and all oh, this is awful because now I don't know how to tell them. And you know, just like the whole guilt and going around and around in circles. Like if someone thinks you're nice, cool, you know? And if you, if they find out you're a Christian, great. You know, it was so like, so much guilt was like my entire upbringing. And so needlessly so, you know, I was such a good kid. Like, I didn't do any crap at all. I was so good. Like, there was no reason for me to be thinking I was the worst person on earth. Uh, Karis? I can attest to that. (laughs) Yes. Oh, thank you. (laughs) You were good. (laughs) Um, I was just going to say, because there's that Bible verse that's like, what's going to happen if at the end of time Jesus sees you and is like, I never knew you depart from me Mm -hmm. or whatever, Mm -hmm. because you like, because you denied him in front of your friends, he's denying you in front of God mm -hmm. or whatever. Like that whole verse, it's so, so scary. It's so stressful because it puts Mm -hmm. all of the onus on you. Like if you don't tell people, Mm -hmm. so you totally get it. Yeah. Candace. Also, there is no not awkward <laughs> yeah. way to just like slip into a conversation that oh, I'm a Christian. Yeah. Like, so you try to have a conversation with a new coworker, like, so what's I your just, religion? Yeah. This is fun. Let's talk about something. Let's talk about oh, I don't know, God. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. Hi, I'm Lindsay. I'm a Christian. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's like you're at a support group i've been oh, a christian for 34 years um <laughs> hi Lindsay. <laughs> when when i was in high school i think it was the first year when i was in high school i was on the bus one day and i sat beside this girl and she was like she was really friendly and sweet and awkward and she just like started a conversation with me and then was like awkwardly awkwardly casually said something about like isn't god i just think god is so great and like tried to do this thing like which is very much what this book describes as people who are christians how they talk about god like he's their best friend and like it's not weird but having like personally experienced that from someone it was so awkward and I was like because I was a Christian too I was just I just kind of went with it right but if I was not a Christian Mm -hmm. it was Mm -hmm. still awkward for me as a Christian like and I feel like if I was not a Christian it would just be very odd like very odd no I guess not you just can't slip it in that's what she said Our Patreon episodes are very lightly edited. Which is what makes them so fun. So people are going to love this like two and a half hour behemoth of an episode. After the ice cream shop, Todd walks Christy home and asks for her phone number. But in a way that made me really mad. I want to get your phone number, Todd said in his matter of fact. Sorry, I couldn't remember going on. Everything is about what Todd wants. Oh, can you? Sorry, can you read that? I didn't mean to derail you. I just got caught up in the moment. No, I really, I uh, want you to get caught up in the moment. Um, 
want to get your phone number, Todd said, in a matter-of-fact way. All right. Does she want to give it to him? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. He wants it. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, because he gets her phone number, and as he gets her phone number, as she's giving him her number, an ambulance siren blares a few blocks away. So that, yes. That was your first hint. Something's that something happen, happened. Maybe at the jetty. No. I don't I don't know. It's not like this author gives like blatant like blazing <laughs> hints about where the story is going for every character. <laughs> now reading it, I'm like, oh wow, okay. So obviously like this is gonna happen later, this is gonna happen later, this is gonna happen later. But I'm pretty sure like reading them as a naive like 14 year old, I I probably missed most of it. Oh, yeah, I definitely did. Like reading it now, I was like, oh, like, you know, it was all coming back to me. Like, oh, yeah, I totally forgot about all of this. And then it was just like, you know, floodgates. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you also see like the foreshadowing, whereas like I was pretty nice. Like I probably wouldn't have realized that you were going mm-hmm. to have sex mm-hmm. either. Yeah. When I was 14 reading it, you know, Christy goes to bed. The next day we find out Sean was in an accident and he's at the hospital with broken bones. Because Todd called Christy to see if she could come and sit with him while he finds the contact info for his parents, who, as we know uh, from the fact that he had a party, are out of town. So Christy and her aunt and uncle go to the hospital to be with Sean. And I think that's where we should end it. Does anyone want to add anything? Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, Mitch. (laughs) I'm sorry that you're reading these. And also, I'm really excited to share just the horrible... What it was Experience. to be a woman <laughs> yeah. well, no, it's, up in the it's church. It's a revelation to me because I understand what happened in high school so much better now because this was like, this was the manual. It was so formative. Even yeah. there's so much going on here that I, reading it now, I'm like, oh my God, this is, this shaped the way mm-hmm. I thought about relationships and made my whole oh for sure it was like pray it was like we would you would pray for your future husband you'd pray for your todd you'd ask well i don't know about you but like me and my best friend would be like praying for our todd like we called him our todd yep oh no i did man yeah and i got him except he's way better than freaking todd (laughs) (laughs) i know me too yes i'm so happy for us Um. Yeah. Plus, Todd plays guitar. Oh, like, mm-hmm. does he not? He doesn't. You know, you find out later that he plays guitar. Yes. Which is like mm-hmm. every girl's, every teenage. Yeah, girl's I don't know why that is, but that's definitely that a thing. Stephen and I's one of our early dates. Yeah. One of our early dates was him, like um, Aww, teaching the guitar cute. in the park, like at Bower. My Pond. husband really? also plays yeah. guitar, Aww. so. It was cute. I I didn't really learn anything, and yeah. I uh, had a boy show up at my work one time to give me a ride home after work, and like he was like sitting on the back of his on the trunk Aww. of his car, like playing guitar for me when Aww. I walked out. It's very sweet. Oh my god! How are you not <laughs> married to him? It's a long story. Was that Philip? I thought I would be. Yeah. Oh yeah. He was kind of a jerk though. I it would be. He ended up being a jerk. Was horrible. You know. In our episode. I love that. Also, we are still doing, um, Karis is still doing Greek and Hebrew flashcard readings 
Yeah. Until your, I'm going to say until your cards run yeah. out. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, so, uh, Lindsay, I, I am actually, I just, I just signed is, up because I honestly I wanted oh, to sign you? up, but also oh. the one about like the sex one really intrigued me. So oh, I really just then. wanted to hear all of your guys, since I know all three of you that were on the, the sex episode, I just had to listen to that one. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I think we might have to post part of that oh, one as like a sure. teaser to get people oh, into sure. our Patreon. Cause I think that's what people want to hear. Yeah. Yeah. If only every episode could be <laughs> it a was sex so good episode. though. I was like, man, I want to talk about this. <laughs> Welcome to our sex podcast. I actually would like to have. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. <gasps> Kate, will you? Yeah, I would love okay, to love do more. more sex episodes because I'm like so. Yeah. I think it's yeah. such an important topic to talk about. This was the first half of the first Christy Miller book, Summer Promise. Very influential to young influential. W- Christian women. Um. And we will be going through the entire series and maybe extended series over the next few years and yeah. posting those episodes here on Patreon. So yeah. uh, I hope it's you enjoyed this. We're yeah. not going to post one every, we're not going to post, we're going to do one a month of these and one a month of yeah. something else. So don't worry. It's not going to be <laughs> exclusively Christy Miller, um, but this is what, this is our project for a little while. Uh, And we hope you enjoyed it. Tune in next time to find out what happens to Sean. And as a result of what happens to Sean, what happens to Christy? The suspense. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.